I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So Vinny Curry was released by the Bucks. Who else might follow him out of Tampa Bay? And how many wins will the Rays get this season? Will the Bucks re-sign Donovan Smith and Quan Alexander? And who might the Lightning pick up before the trade deadline? We have all that and more on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you know what? If you're like me, you're sick and tired of these high electric bills. My last electric bill was over $300. Folks, that's insane. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar is a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. It does not use high voltage like many other companies, and May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. And they have a full showroom that's available to see their products, and they're open weekdays. May Electric Solar has been around 12 years, and they've earned a great reputation with all their customers and their peers. And remember, they do not use subcontractors, and they never subcontract in any other way. Everyone knows that it has to be May all the way. Stop the insanity of out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You call them right now. You can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, Steve. So we got a lot of good questions today about the bucks, about the rays, about the lightning. Uh, let's get it started. All right. Well, the first question is, comes from Tom, who asked about the news. This regards the news you broke on Tuesday that the Bucks have cut Vinnie Curry. He says, now that the Bucks have cut Vinnie Curry, one, why did they do it? And two, what does it mean for Gerald McCoy and the, the rest of the defensive line? Great question. Look, Vinnie Curry was a guy, uh, as you remember, they rebuilt the defensive line, and he was a big signing for them. What it came down to was the production just wasn't there. I mean, he had two and a half sacks, about 26 tackles. He missed some games. You know, I think he was owed $8 million for next year. If they didn't release him by March 17th, five of that $8 million would have been guaranteed. So they wanted to get out from under that contract. Good job by Mike Greenberg, the way he structured it so that he could do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, the production didn't match the salary. So, you know, when you're talking about guys like Carl Nassib, who essentially took over his starting job, Carl had six and a half sacks. Vinny became sort of a rotational player. You know, you had to do something there. So they saved some salary cap money. They saved $8 million off the salary cap. Now, there's a lot of, you know, depending on how you calculate this, I mean, overthecap.com had them at about $8.5 million, I think, under the salary cap. So this would give them almost double that. And that does not include a lot of things that, you know, incentives that guys had not made, et cetera. The cap will also go up about, I think, 10 or $12 million. Doesn't include that as well. But they're starting to clear some salary cap room. And I think this is a an acknowledgement that he didn't fit the 3-4. I mean, they're going to switch, you know, uh, to a 
and so Vinny is not that guy, whereas Carl can be a stand-up outside sort of rusher if you want him to be that guy. And I just think that with Todd Bowles' system, this is a better fit. So they're starting to clear some room, and he was obviously the first casualty. Not the last guy, by the way. I mean, you could be seeing a guy like William Golston go by the Vi. We don't know about Noah Spence. We don't know about a lot of these you know, defensive linemen that they acquired and and uh, but certainly this was an easy one, and the fact that he was going to be you know owed five of the eight million dollars on March seventeenth or thereabouts, they decided to let him go now. All right. Well, Aaron asked, would you give Quan Alexander ten million dollars after coming off an ACL injury and a couple of mediocre years for his standard? In my opinion, he needs to prove it uh, deal, especially coming off an injury. But the old saying goes, you don't get rid of good players, which this team has done a lot in the past past ten years. Yeah, Quan's a tough case because the ACL. I mean, I think it makes it really hard. It, had he not torn his ACL, I think he would have been a close to a $10 million a year player. You know, because of that, maybe he doesn't get the long-term deal. Maybe he didn't get four or five years with, you know, $30 million guaranteed. And, and really it's going to be up to him because, you know, it takes two to tango. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, come March 11th through the 13th when they have the legal tampering period, we can talk to all teams. I would expect Quan to make it to that point. And, and people will check on his health. I mean, he's been on, you know, Instagram and, and Twitter and all that showing the kind of weight that he's bench pressing with his legs, um, you know, able to run now. So it looks like he's way ahead of the curve in terms of the rehab. And we know that he's going to work really, really hard. You know, this is one of those things where, you know, do the Bucks just have a complete leap of faith and, and feel like he's going to be the same player? Or do they are they able to say to him, you know, maybe you do a shorter-term deal, maybe one year, maybe two years, we guarantee you X, and you come back to us and, and kind of a prove-it contract. And then if you do that, then, then the big money is on the back end. It's just, you know, unfortunately for Quan, he got hurt at the wrong time. When you're going to reach free agency, you do not want to be – that guy, you know, trying to rehab because people are unsure whether you're going to be the same player or not. So I think he comes back here. I think they want him, but there always could be another team that, that you know, that blows him away. But I would think shorter-term contract, maybe not for $10 million, maybe for somewhere between the five and six range, and then sort of a prove-it deal. All right. Well, John asks, do you think coaching has anything to do with the Donovan Smith situation? Would Bruce Arians put up with what many see as quitting on plays, or could he change that with coaching? Long-term contract tells me Arians thinks he can. Well, Bruce Arians has a lot of confidence in his coaching staff. And, and you know, George Warhop, um, depending on what you thought of him, uh, was a big Donovan Smith fan. I'm not sure that he developed necessarily a lot of offensive linemen. You know, look, I'll say this about Donovan Smith. He gets beat up all the time by these, you know, scouting services and analytic services like Pro Football Focus, which I totally don't buy into because, I mean, it's easy to say, well, this guy, you know, he got beat on this play. First of all, they don't understand what the assignment is, okay? They don't know who, who actually messed up on, on what play. So I don't know how they grade these things, but I've talked to enough people with the box that think that a couple things about Donovan Smith. Number one. He's as durable as anybody in the league at left tackle. And if you don't think that matters, go look around the league and see guys that miss games and see how they do with the number two left tackle. Okay, he started all 64 games that he's 
been able to play in. And that's not insignificant because he came in as a rookie with Jameis Winston. He's protected his backside. For the most part, he's going against the most athletic guy on the field, which is the right defensive end every single day. And I think he's held his own. And and at times, he's done better than that. Uh, Again, I know he gets graded down by by certain people, but I think – in fact, I know the Bucks really, really value this guy. And if you're looking at the offensive line, you know that Ali Marpet can be the left guard. You know that Ryan Jensen is the center. Beyond that, what do you have? Caleb Beninock is not going to be the right guard. DeMar Dotson is entering his 11th season at right tackle. So you're going to have to fortify that offensive line. Do you want to you know, have to rebuild it with three different new players or – and I think this is what's going to happen. If they can't reach a long-term deal, which would average between 12 and $13 million a year, and it would probably be a five-year deal, probably guarantee them somewhere around $30 million. If you can't agree to that, then what you do is you use a franchise tag on Donovan Smith because what's the difference between 12 and $13 million a year as a, in a long-term deal versus a one-year franchise tag of $14 million which might pay him a little more, but it's pay as you go. So, in other words, you can't you can't fix everything in one year. Maybe you draft an offensive lineman, maybe you don't, but you know you have Donovan Smith for one more season, and then after that season, you can you can still resign him to a long term deal. I think you can still franchise or tag him in some ways. So it's sort of a pay as you go. He gets top dollar, but you don't have to worry about him skipping to another team. So. My opinion, is, as I talk to the Bucs, is that Donovan Smith is going to play left tackle for the Bucs next year. I don't know under what contract. I don't know how many years. But I'm convinced that they will not let him out of Tampa Bay. All right, Steven asks, the Bucs clearly need help in the running game. Do you think a game changer like Le'Veon Bell would be a good fit in Tampa to take pressure off Winston? It'd be a great fit. Um, he's a great running back. Here's the problem. He's $14 million a year. And on a team that has salary cap, issues already and is looking to retain their players like Donovan Smith, there's no way, no way, in my opinion, that you're going to pay that kind of money for a running back. So, look, I've talked to the Bucks about this, and, you know, with Bruce Arians coming in, he's evaluated sort of what they had at that position. A couple things. One, he thinks they need to block better, okay? The running game starts with the guys up front. Number two, they really like Peyton Barber. I mean, he had – you know, over 800 yards last year, the average was not good. You know, three point, what, 3.9 yards a carry or something like that. Having said all that, they got nothing out of Ronald Jones. And the thing that confounds them is that Ronald Jones at USC, in the Pac-12, at a, a an elite Power 5 conference, rushed over the last three or four years almost 5,000 yards. What they don't understand is how did that not – it didn't translate and he didn't get a lot of carries a couple things happened and I've talked to Dirk Cutter about this and others they focused so much on the fact that he wasn't a good receiver he wasn't a good blocker and they worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and the irony is is that he became a pretty good receiver in terms of like in practice his hands got better he knew who to block he he was you know physical enough in pass protection but then what happened was he got hit behind the line, of, the line of scrimmage a lot, and he had no production. He just didn't. He's a young player. He's a guy that showed lots of, of big playability. 
but when they gave him the ball, his vision was bad. He, he you know, he got he got hit behind the line of scrimmage, and then sometimes when it was clean, he for whatever reason like didn't see the hole. His vision wasn't good. He ran the back of the lineman. He didn't he didn't produce. And what happens with that is is that he loses confidence. So when he loses confidence, guess what else? The players lose confidence in him, and that's when you're dead. You know, it's one thing if, like, you're not really sure, but when other guys don't think that you're going to produce, that's a problem. So they believe in Ronald Jones. They think he's going to come back. I don't see them going for a running back. Maybe they draft one later in the rounds, but I think their two running backs are going to be Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones next year, and those guys are going to get – they're going to get the bulk of the work, in my opinion. All right. Well, John asks, I know he signed a contract, but given his health history, will Bruce Arians bolt if the Bucks win five games and appear to be worse than he thought? <laughs> I love this question because Bruce Arians is 66 years old, and he is not here for the long term. <laughs> Let's face it. None of us are, but certainly not, not Arians, who was retired. So I don't know that he bolts, quote-unquote, after one season. Steve Kime, who was the GM of the Cardinals, said that uh, when he was there, when Bruce was there the last year or two, he used to, uh, you know, sort of ruminate about retirement. And then, in fact, he did retire. Now he's back. I've talked to Bruce one-on-one for a long time. We played some of those uh, interviews. But, uh, you know, he, he told me, he said, you know, I was not pining to get back into the game. This was not something that, you know, I actively was seeking. But everything sort of lined up, right? He, he knows the GM and Jason Light. He likes the quarterback and Jameis Winston, who he has known since middle school. You know, he was able to get all his coaches back, which is the biggest thing is that his staff is sort of intact. So I don't think it's going to be one and done. I do think that it's going to be feast or phantom. I mean, this is, this is one of those deals that you do not – you're not buying green bananas here. I mean, Bruce is not in it for the long haul. Bruce is in it for the short haul. He has said that this is a reload, not a rebuild. So this has to hit, and it has to hit quick. Whether he's gone in one year or two years, I really don't know. I think all that depends on the record. And if you look at what he did in Arizona, he took over a 5-11 and team, and in his first year he won 10 games. And then he won, I think, 12, and then you know, and went on from there. So um, he looks to sort of change it quickly. So, no, to answer your question, I don't – Regardless of what happens this year, I don't think he's done after one year. Um, it's a good question about you know what happens to, to Jameis Winston and others, but it, it's going to be more short-term than long-term, but I think it'll be more than one year. All right, rooting for UF asks, assuming a quarterback is not drafted in the top four, do you see the Bucks being able to trade down? And if so, who was the trade partner? And Evan has kind of a follow-up to that. With the Denver deal today, reported that they're going to get Joe Flacco once the NFL season begins in a trade. Are they still a contender to move up, or do you think they're going to stay put with just Joe Flacco? All right, first of all, let's tackle Denver. They're not going to draft a quarterback. I mean, they they have Joe Flacco. Um, they got to decide what to do with Case Keenum. So they are done. They're not going. To, I mean, that's that is a signal that um, they want the veteran. They they're not at least at this point. They prefer him over the rookies or guys that are available in the draft. So Denver is out of the equation. Now, here's where it gets really interesting because the Bucks picked number five. None of the teams ahead of them other than, I mean, you know, we know we don't know what the Oakland Raiders are going to do because John Gruden is such a wild card. I mean, you would think that with Derek Carr, he's good there, but you really don't know. Um, certainly, you know, Arizona has said that they're good with, uh, with Josh Rosen, 
that they're not going to draft a quarterback. The 49ers, they're not going to draft one. Then you go to the Jets. They took one last year in the first round. They're going to draft. So the Raiders are at four. Now, beyond that, um, here's where it gets really interesting. The New York Giants are sitting there at number six. They're going to take a quarterback. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at number seven, you would, you would suppose, are going to be in it as well. We don't know about the Lions, although there is talk about maybe uh, beginning to turn the corner there. And then, of course, you go all the way to 10 with the Broncos. Uh, the Bengals at 11, they might draft a guy that would be, you know, sort of a, a, a quarterback in waiting. So I think there's going to be a lot of action at number five. And what it comes down to is, say the Giants like Dwayne Haskins or they think he's the best quarterback. But what if the Jacksonville Jaguars decide he's our quarterback and we're going to get above the New York Giants and we're going to go to five because the Giants are at six and we're going to trade with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to move down two spots. The Bucs are in a, a tremendous, tremendous position to acquire more draft picks and not have to move that far um, because you have you know, the Giants at six, the Jaguars at seven, the Lions, uh, which you don't know, um, at eight, uh, and then you go down to the Broncos at 10. Of course, they look like they've settled it. The Cincinnati Bengals are a possibility. So there's going to be some phone calls, and I think the Bucks are in a perfect position to trade down, maybe not too many spots, pick up some extra draft picks, which they desperately need because they have multiple needs, not just one or two. And so all this talk about guys like Kyler Murray um, or Andrew, Andrew uh, Locke, these kind of guys – if they get pushed up, it's only going to push better players down and it's going to create opportunity for the Bucs. So uh, they're thrilled about the position they're in because at number five, you're either going to get two things. You're going to get a absolute sort of franchise-turning player on defense or offense, I would think defense for them at this point, or you're going to get a blockbuster trade where you pick up multiple picks either in the first or second round, et cetera, that's going to help you in terms of all the needs you have uh, in the depth of the draft. So uh, the Bucks, the Bucks are golden. I think I think they're in a really good shape. All right, now we'll switch to baseball, which the Rays pitchers and catchers had a rainy first day of workouts at Port Charlotte on Wednesday. They'll be back at it Thursday working out. And Bob asked the first question. He says, "You were so wrong regarding the Rays last year. So how many wins are you predicting this season?" <laughs> you know, listen. I, I will take that shade and then some because let me just say this at the top. I'm not the only guy that was ruh, ruh, wrong. I mean, who saw this team winning 90 games? That would be uh, nobody, including Kevin Cash and probably half the, the Rays front office staff. So that said, I did have them losing 100. I don't think they're going to lose 100 this year. <laughs> um, they won 90. Are they going to win 100 this year? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. It, look, it's rare to win 100. I mean, we saw it last year with a couple teams in the NL East, and that's going to be the problem, right, um, is that the, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox are both capable of that. I don't think here's – what I, here's what I think I think, as Peter King would say. Here's what I think I think. It's not easy to win 90 games. I think what people are, are not understanding, and Kevin Cash has said this and others, is that it doesn't matter what season, it doesn't matter what division. Usually when you win 90, you're in the playoffs. In fact, many teams are in the playoffs when they win less than 90. It just so happened they were in the AL East. So to win 90 is, is, is a 
tremendous accomplishment. You know, they started out, what, like 3-12 and 12 last year. I would expect maybe they'll do better than that. I like this team. I think this team is better than the one certainly they started with a year ago. They got hot at the end of the season the last two months. How many wins? Look, if they can match what they did a year ago and then and then exceed it by a game or two or three, maybe that's enough. You know what? Maybe, um, depending on, on what happens to the Yankees and the Red Sox, maybe that gets you in, maybe a wild card on the other divisions. I think they do. I think they would do well to repeat what they did a year ago, because, like I said, most of the time, ninety wins. I mean, would they miss? It? What did they miss it by the ace? A game or two? No, it was. A, it was. A, a I think it was three or four games last year. Okay, but, so but three nine, or four games. Ninety wins the year before would have got you in the playoffs by five games. Right. So, like, if your goal is to just win ninety, you're most years you're good. So I'll say this: they're they're gonna match what they did last year. Beyond that, I have no clue. I think they're capable of matching what they did. I think they're a better ball club because the ball club that I saw the last two months was so much better than what they started with. And remember, they started 3-12, and 12, something like that. They had a couple of six or seven game or eight game losing streaks. They had a bunch of eight game winning streaks. If they can be more consistent and not have those big dips, then they're certainly capable of doing at least what they did last year and then some. So I, I like this ball club. I like the Rays and and I would say that uh, at least 90 wins. How's that? All right. Well, Sam asks, if the Rays make the playoffs, I think Blake Snell could beat Boston or New York in a wild card game. What would it take for them to beat Houston, Cleveland, and or the other AL East team in a five or seven game series? Well, great pitching. And so, you know, you mentioned Blake Snell and assuming that he's at that Cy Young level and he's able to get them, you know, beyond the wild card um, then you have guys like Charlie Morton, who is his career is very interesting because he struggled with injuries uh, for, through most of it. And in the last two years in Houston, he's been lights out. He's pitched the best baseball he's ever pitched. When you can win game seven in the ALCS and then follow that up with game seven in the World Series, uh, you got something. So if he's able to maintain that, and I, we talked to him, we'll, we'll play his interview, I'm sure, in the next week or so. I think that's the difference maker. Now, the young guys, you know, they're going to have to step up. I mean, Glass now is, you know, if they can stay healthy, if they. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can have a three-man rotation and then go to the opener. I think they have a chance. But this pitching staff, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think it's one of, potentially one of the better, better pitching staffs in the American League, at least, at least one through three. Well, and don't forget it, late in the season, you're going to get um, um, Brett Honeywell and Jose De Leon back. That's Probably right. Probably mid-season they'll start pitching. Now, how well they pitch coming off Tommy John surgery down the stretch, we'll see. I, I think still a big question, and by the time you get to the playoffs, if you're going to win 90 games, you've probably have figured this out, but you know, who's going to pitch the late innings? Who's going That's to right. come in and lock it down in the playoffs when the pressure's really on? You know, who can yeah. you, and whether they actually close the game or you bring them in in the seventh because that's when 
they got the bases loaded and one out, and you need to stop the bleeding. That's right. You know, it's figuring out who's going to pitch those pressure situations late in the game. And I still contend with the Rays, and, and the reason I didn't think the Rays would do nearly what they did last season was I didn't know if they could continue to string hits back to back to back and put crooked numbers on the board because they're not a big power team. Last no, year they proved fact, me wrong and did that. Can they do that this year? I mean, I think a lot of the players can live up to their expectations, but can you put them? Can you put three, four hits in a row up to start putting crooked numbers up and creating momentum in a game? I mean, you know, you can have ten hits in a game and score no runs, and you can have four hits and score four runs because you strung the hits, you know, back to back to back to back properly. Yeah, and I, I also think, I mean, you know, you have a whole year of Tommy Pham. Right, you mm-hmm. have a whole year potentially of Austin Meadows, if Kiermaier can stay healthy beyond a hundred games in a year. The, the interesting thing about the Rays is that they're always, you know, outpowered. They're always out homered, mm-hmm. and yet they get rid of a guy every year that hits thirty home runs, <laughs> including C.J. Crone this year. Whether you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, it's amazing to me that. You know, it seems like if you lead the if you lead the Rays in home runs, you're going to get released. And last year, midseason, um, they got rid of Wilson Ramos. Right, exactly, and you know, and and so that's sort of how they roll. But I think this team is going to score more runs because it's a better ball club that 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 played the last two months that will start this year than the one that started out what three and twelve or what have you, and that sort of buried them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I. I, I believe in this ball club. I, mm-hmm. I really think – and I think they believe in each other. And if they if they can somehow recapture the momentum that they had at the end of the last year and they just narrowly missed the playoffs, then to start the year with avoiding those, you know, those big pitfalls that they had, they're going to be right in it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of bullish on the Rays right now, I guess. Mm-hmm. AVG asks, will the Rays have a contract extension ready for Blake Snell? We can't lose him like we – the way we lost David Price. I don't think that you can keep Blake Snell. Um, you know, look, if he maintains anything close to the level that he had as a Cy Young Award winner, what are we talking about, Steve? $25 million a year? Is that, I mean, what what, what is a pitcher like him worth at his age uh, in the open market in about two or three years? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, just, yeah, you're talking mid 20s. I mean, assuming yeah. salaries aren't drastically higher or lower at that point. I mean, it'd be nice. You know, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He is. It'd be nice to think that you could keep him, but name the pitcher that they have kept in that, under that scenario. David Price Mm -hmm. went his own way. Uh, James Shields, of course, back in the day when he was, you know, complete game James, they're just, I mean, just, they can't afford it. And you can't begrudge the guy for going for big money. And usually that means New York or Boston or, you know, L.A. Dodgers or someplace. But I do not see, short of a new stadium deal, perhaps, which which might actually line up okay from a time standpoint if you're able to put a, a shovel in the ground. I don't see them being able to maintain, you know, their elite pitchers. They've never been able to do it. And I, I don't – I mean, am I wrong? I don't think that they're going to be able to keep Snell either. Well, I think some time. of it depends on does Blake want to be here. Evan Longoria stayed as long as he did because he signed a deal early, maybe took less money, but got longer term and guarantee. Oh, he of it. definitely took less though, you know, right? I well, mean, yeah, yeah. Assuming you know, and, and at the time, it's it's you know, you take that longer guaranteed contract, maybe for a little less than you would have got on the open market. But if you get hurt, you weren't going to get that money 
So it's True. it's that guarantee. True. It's that I I'm definitely making this money. You know, I'm, I don't risk no injury where then all of a sudden, you know, we talked about Quan Alexander, you know, earlier yeah, where absolutely. he gets hurt in a contract absolutely. year and all of a sudden he's going to get less money potentially no because of it. So in baseball, the contracts are fully guaranteed. So some players like the security of if I get hurt next week, I'm still getting paid because I've signed mm-hmm. this deal. Now, maybe I make less over the course of my career, assuming my career continues on the same trajectory it was on, but I've got mm-hmm. a guarantee and security to that. Is, does Blake want that, or is he going for big money? And you know, right. you can't begrudge a guy either way, to be honest. No. Uh, you know, it's he's got to do what what he wants to do. Does he want to stay in Tampa Bay? Does is he willing to, you know, work with the team and, and do a more team friendly deal? I, I don't know if we know the answers to those questions at this point. Right. Some of it may depend on once he gets to arbitration, assuming you haven't signed him to a long term deal before. Then is how much does he actually get in the arbitration process? We'll tell you a little more about you know, what, what kind of contract he might command on the open market. And this is the thing about, you know, when they talk about stadiums and, and different things, like they want to retain their good players. They mm-hmm. won't, they don't want them to go other places. And, and I'm sure that at that point, Blake will have been here a number of years and, and probably would be content with, with, uh, you know, continuing on with, with, with the Rays. but it's all economics and, and the economics of baseball, especially with starting pitchers and a Cy Young award winner. I mean, don't forget, he was the best pitcher in the American League, and and that is certainly worth a lot of money. And probably the that was the best season in race history. No question. Yeah, better than yeah, David I mean, Price. David Price had Cy a phenomenal season the year. He won the Cy Young, too, but I think Blake's was a better season. I would agree. Totally agree. And he got more dominant as the year went on. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, he missed the All-Star game. I mean, he ended up becoming a alternate and made the alternate, team, but yeah. he was not picked for the All-Star game because – his first half of the season was good, but it was the second half that he dominated. Lights out. Lights out. At the end of the year, it was one run or zero runs almost every time he went out there. It was incredible. We'll still stay with the Rays, but Steve asked, do you think Stu Sternberg would move the Rays if he got an equal deal from another city? Maybe a bad question, but I would think he's unhappy with this area. Um, no, I don't. I don't know what an equal deal is because right now they have no deal. So let's assume that uh, – that Hillsborough or Pinellas was willing to buy him a new stadium. And that's what we're talking about. I mean, for him to be sustainable in this market, um, he's made it pretty clear, and so has Major League Baseball, that he needs a new stadium deal. Where or, or what shape that takes place in, you know, if that, is, that, is that, you know, Pinellas County now? Is it St. Pete? Is it the outlying site? Is it Hillsborough? Does, does that get somehow reinvigorated? I don't know. Um, but all things being equal, I don't think he moves. Um, this is a big TV market. I know, you know, I've heard at least that the TV deal didn't come in as high as they would have hoped. But to me, Stuart Sternberg seems committed to Tampa. But, the, you know, the, the sand is running out of the hourglass. I mean, we are, you know, we are really close to the point where, you know, their lease will be up and they have to find a place to play. Uh, I've always said this. The stadium deals are such that you don't get, an agreement until the moving vans are almost pulling up to the building. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. It was that way with the Bucks, and I think it's that way a lot of times. Certainly, St. Petersburg has been on the other end of that with the Chicago White Sox, you know, with the, new, with the San Francisco Giants, with the Seattle Mariners. All these teams flirted with St. Petersburg, and we're going to move here until the 11th hour. So um, we won't know probably for a while. But at the end of the day, I mean, all you can do is hope that uh, 
if all things are equal, they'll stay in the Tampa Bay area. Look, this is a negotiation between the team and Major League Baseball and the area, whether it's Pinellas, Hillsborough, or whatever. Yep. Because you didn't get the deal done immediately and exactly your terms doesn't mean you're unhappy with the area. This is a negotiation. These stadium deals, when you're trying to include the county or cities, never go smooth. It always gets That's ugly, right. and then it gets uglier, and it keeps getting uglier. Yep. And, and maybe it gets done, maybe it doesn't, but it was never going to go picture smooth and everything's just fine and, and everyone's happy and smiling every press conference. That's not the way it works. It never happens that way because it's a negotiation. So, you know, baseball does not want to leave this market. Mm-hmm. It's a top 15 television market and growing and growing faster mm-hmm. than most areas of the country. Um, mm-hmm. They want to expand in baseball, which means you don't want to move teams when you can get expansion fees in those cities. Why would you want to move a team to Portland, San Antonio, Nashville? Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte, when you could instead expand to those cities and have them pay you a billion or more dollars. I mean, that's why the NHL yeah. let Vegas in, and now they're putting Seattle in, and combined they're getting one point, almost $1.2 billion between those two teams. That is just split among the owners. So why would you want to move a team? And baseball, as much as the stadium deals and there's always threats of baseball teams moving, one baseball team has moved in the last 30 years, a lot less than every other sport. And that's the Expos moving to Washington when Major League Baseball took over the Expos. They don't want to move teams. They don't like to move teams. It's not saying they won't, but they will – they will attempt to exhaust every possible scenario to keep a team where it is. No, I totally agree. And, and I think that they don't want to use up the markets that they would normally expand to with existing franchises, like say the Rays where it go to Las Vegas or Charlotte or someplace like that. Look, this is a big TV market. You mentioned that um, they have to solve the stadium situation. There's no question about that, whether it's Pinellas or Hillsborough. But beyond that, I think Major League Baseball likes them here. I think they, if they didn't, they would be finding them a new home. And I, I, I think they like the TV market. You know, the attendance is not what they want, but they seem to think that a new stadium would, would affect that too. So all we can hope is that they, they work these things out. They're not easy deals, and I think it happens at the 11th hour. But um, for right now, I think baseball is happy that the Rays are in Tampa Bay. All right, we'll switch to hockey, and Anthony asked, what big-name splashy trade do you think would legitimately be worth it for the Lightning if they don't stand pat at the deadline? He says, I believe they will and should do, standing pat, that is. You know, Steve, you and I have talked about this. I I was one that, that is pretty confident about what they have right now, and I, and, and I don't know that I want to upset the apple cart. You come from a different place and say, look, if they can improve their team, they're going to do it because if you're not going to do it now – when you have the best team in hockey, and by far, um, and you want to win a Stanley Cup, when are you going to make changes? Look, I, I believe that they are very happy with this team, and if no move gets made, they're fine with it. But if you have a chance to add an Artemi Panarin from Columbus, right. uh, a Michael Furlan from Carolina, uh, Mark Stone or Matt Duchesne from Ottawa, somebody that would improve your team, and, and not just slightly, that they are, they are top-of-the-line wingers or forwards That's right. and centers. Mm-hmm. You have to look at that, as long as the price isn't too steep where it hurts your team. But, look, these windows to win cups aren't open very long. The Lightning will probably have a bigger window than most teams based on the amount of youth that have been a part of this for so long. And they have their core now locked up for many years to come. 
So at this point, and, and they're going to have some salary cap issues starting next year, but that's why a rental could work, whether it's Artemi Panarin or Columbus, who would be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, or Matt mm-hmm. Duchesne would be, is that mm-hmm. you could take on a rental and not have to worry about paying their contract next year unless you want to re-sign them, and then you got to figure that out beyond that. If you're the Lightning, I'm looking. I don't feel pressure to make a trade because I think my team is the best team in hockey, and I really like it. And, you know, you're not just trading for anybody. You're going to have to trade for a top-notch player because this lineup is stacked. And most people are talking wingers for the Lightning. I still think they're looking for someone on the blue line. I still want another, I still want another defenseman on the, on the blue line. I think you know, your top four are set in uh, McDonough, Hedman, Strawman, and Chernak. Who your bottom two defensemen is in the playoffs. Is it Coburn, Girardi, or Sergachev? I'd still be looking, can I upgrade one of those? And note that Strawman, Girardi, and uh, Coburn – are not uh, are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. So they don't have contracts that are going to carry over. So even if you trade for a defenseman, it could be someone you want to sign longer term too because you have their salaries falling off. You still yeah, have, I mean, you're going to have some finagling to do to get Braden Point under contract. But I think the window is, is, is too short. You know, the Lightning last year, many thought were the best team in hockey, and they didn't win it. They didn't finish with the President's Trophy, but they were right there. They were the right. best team most of the season. They didn't win it. That if you got a chance to upgrade your roster, you've got to seriously look at it. And if it if it, the price isn't too steep, you got to go for it. If you're not going for it this year, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you you should just you should pack it in. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is your year. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything shows that it's your year. Fifteen point lead in the Atlantic Division. I mean, the way they have played, um, that they've met every challenge. They seem to be completely focused and driven from the inside out, which is what you want. Uh, if you're a head coach, you want the, the you know the, the players to take ownership of that. So if you're not going to go for it and, and you, you find a player that can help you, I don't know when you would ever do it. This is the year. Mm-hmm. Everything is geared towards this year. They've been that good. They've been that dominant. Um, they're that hungry, having come close you know, before uh, losing Chicago and, and then, of course, last year in the Eastern Conference Finals with Washington. So this is this is all in, all hands on deck. I think they do whatever whatever makes sense for them, mm-hmm. um, whether that's stamp pat or make a trade. But you're right. I mean, if you're not going to do it now, Steve, when are you going to do it? Exactly. And, and, you know, what you might give up, it all depends on what team you're trading with, too. Absolutely. I mean, if you're trading with Columbus and for Panarin, they may be looking for more NHL-ready players because they're in a playoff hunt. Absolutely. They just don't want to, you know – walk away with nothing for Panarin. If you trade with an Ottawa for, say, a Matt Duchesne or, or Mark Stone, they may be looking more for prospects and draft picks. That's um, right. You know, and it's not like the Lightning want to give up anything they have, but it does take something to get something. It does. And yeah. they got a damn good hockey team, and so they, they can afford to push push the envelope a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's all hands on deck. I think John Cooper's fate's t- – everything is tied to this year. And I'll tell you, when you watch them play – if they're not the best team, I mean, they are the best team in hockey. And it's, and to me, when they're on their game, they're unbeatable. And that's just my opinion. So we'll see how they do in seven game series coming up here. But well, it'll be um, interesting what other teams like Toronto does. I mean, Toronto is an interesting case because they have $20 million of cap space for this year. Wow. They're in, they have cap problems for the next five years going forward. They've got major right. problems and they still got to resign Mitch Marner and among others. They've got, right. I mean, their window legitimately can be this year. Mm-hmm. But they could go out and make big-time splash trades this year to try to improve their sure. team and to catch the Lightning. And, sure. You know, not necessarily in the standings, but for the playoffs, because they have so much cap space this year alone. Next year, they're, you know, they got all kinds of problems. 
where the you know the Lightning are going to have some cap issues next year, but nothing like Toronto's going to have. It's fascinating. Like I said, whatever they can do, they should do. And if, if that's Stan Pat's, then by all means. But if you can help yourself, this is the year. you got to make the push. Um, they put themselves in, in great position. And really, I'm sure the focus is to finish it off and, and win a Stanley Cup. Okay, Les asked, okay, Rick, it's that time of year. Will Tiger Woods win a major this year? <laughs> I hate this question. Uh, I'm going to say no. Just because he hasn't, so it's on my side. And it, I don't know if he's going to be at the Valspar. Look, it's so hard to win a major. I mean, first of all, there's only four a year, okay? So, you know, just do the math. I mean, the number of golfers, the number of great golfers, the number of golfers that are not 40 years old or whatever he is, I'm going to say no. He's put himself in position like he did last year, what, two out of the four, um, where he had a real legitimate chance, but – I, I don't know, Steve. I don't. I mean, his game. I mean, I hope. I'd love to see him at Valspar again. I, I, I Tiger Woods is so great for golf, and he's still got a number of years before he potentially get the Senior Tour. But I just think there's too many good golfers from the age of 25 and up that um, make it really hard on Sunday to to win one of these majors. And like I said, there's only four. He's getting close. Do you think he does it this year? No, I don't. I, th- yeah. I think I think yeah. he'll be in the hunt in maybe one or two of them, but he's yeah. now now he's another year older still. Um, yeah. Although maybe he's a you know another year healthier from his injuries. He might be better. That's a good point. But I just think the odd. I mean, from an odd standpoint, if I'm betting my mortgage on it, I'm going to say no because there's only there's only four really chances, you know, for him to play the best golf of his life, mm-hmm. and I don't think it gets easier. So I'm going to say no. But there was a time when I said he would never win a tournament, and I was wrong. Yes, you were. He won. He's won a tournament. Now he's going to play in uh, Hawaii coming up. I saw Bob Herrig tweet that on yeah. Wednesday. He hasn't decided on the the Florida stops as far as where he I may know. or may not play. I so know. It's hopefully, a shame. he comes to Valspar again. That would be phenomenal. Oh, that'd be so awesome. That'd be phenomenal. All right. One last question. Ellis asked: With social media providing unprecedented access to athletes, executives, coaches, writers, does that make your job as a sports journalist easier or harder? Um, that is a great question. I'm not sure I have a great answer for it, but I think that it makes it uh, easier. What I mean by that is that players are more engaged with their audiences. They don't need that conduit. And so from that standpoint, maybe you're kind of bummed about it because back in the day to communicate with their fans, they had to go through the newspaper or they had to go through somebody that would broadcast their statements. And now they can put it out there totally on their own through Twitter um, Instagram, they can put out video, they can do whatever. But here's what I like. As a journalist, as a sports writer, I like the information. I want a window to their soul. I want to know what they're talking about, who they're talking to, who they're responding to. We, you know, we don't, we're not embedded with these guys 24-7. I mean, basically we get 45 minutes a day during the season, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit on Friday, um, virtually very little on Monday. So the more insight I can glean from social media, I think it helps me do my job. And so, yeah, I, I think it's in, in my own warped way, as much as uh, a lot of news gets broken, um, you know, on the Internet or whatever, I think it's a good thing. I really do. All right, so some great questions for our mailbag. Thanks for all that, you know, you guys that participated. We, uh, we love the challenge. And, uh, and you can always – uh, ask us questions. You don't have to wait for the mailbag. You can tweet us at SportsDayTB or uh, tweet myself at, 
NFL Stroud at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, we're going to have tomorrow Matt Baker from the Daytona 500 Speedway. Of course, Daytona this weekend, um, the first of uh, the NASCAR season, their Super Bowl. They kick off with that. I think it's awesome uh, that they do that. And then we're going to have uh, yeah, it's a football Friday with the Alliance of Yeah, never mind. If you watch the American Alliance of American Football, good for you. I have not checked in on it, but I'll, I'll probably do that. The Lightning are at Dallas tonight. So you have the uh, the Dallas Stars in town. So another chance for the Lightning to continue their uh, their run on uh, on the entire NHL as they are uh, what 15 points I think in the uh, in the lead in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. And then the Rays workouts continue in Port Charlotte. And folks, don't forget if you're looking to stop the insanity of these out of control electric bills, please I beg you call May Electric Solar and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit for changing to solar energy through 2019. Uh, Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.